Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm a set midfield player. <laughs> he's, he's just a broken man. <laughs> Knocked it round Fabregas, little one-two, and I just thought hit it. Bobby Robson, my word, gives me an absolute battering. Battering, I mean, he's like going mad, you're a disgrace, it's unprofessional. Hello, I'm David Vianic. And I'm Svets Gonzalez. And this is Strip, brought to you by William Hill. In this show, we talk to celebrity guests as we get nostalgic looking back at retro football shirts that made us fall in love with the game. Our guests pick four shirts that tell the story of their life. The first one, the haunted one, the unforgettable one, and the named one. Today's guest is a former England international, Ooh. a League Cup winner, what else? and is now a co-presenter on the One Show. One Show, yes, ma one show. Match of the Day, yeah. BT, Live and BT Match of the Day X as well. Match of the Day X, He said he's bringing us on. I hope oh, so. Yeah, I, I stored that, I stored that. You should come on. You're football mad you two, aren't you? So that's, that's what the show is about. No, Jermaine, honestly, you've been smashing the presenting. Absolutely smashing. And I think I met you four or five years ago. Yeah. It was sort of like getting into it. Yeah. You're getting on a match of the day, a couple of periods, a couple yeah. apps. And now, I'm sorry, I saw World Cup draw. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> World Cup! <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, that How was did nuts. you get that? Well, um, I'll be honest, I think kind of like my transition from sport to like hosting the one show and doing live television three days a week uh, played a big role in it. So it started when, um, so the FIFA Best Awards were basically went online because of COVID and stuff like that. So they just kind of like reached out and was like, look, we need somebody that's got experience in hosting something live. It's football, we think you'd be a good match. You, you up for it? <coughs> and I was like, it's a no brainer. It's FIFA, it's football. And um, yeah, of course I'm up for it. So when I went to I went to Zurich, to Switzerland to do their their whole gig, and there was a couple of parts in the show where you know it's falling apart, like in front of you type stuff. Uh, um, for example, like when Mendy kind of like wins uh, goalkeeper of the year, he's um, he's away with African Cup of Nations. I don't know where he is in Africa, but he's they're all on screens behind me, and I've got Peter Schmeichel next to me, and, it's, and I'm kind of like got the auto cue, and it's like right. So the goalkeeper of the year for this year, Edward. As I said, Edward in my ear, I heard he's gone, <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean he's gone? And I look behind me, and the screen's just blank. So and but at that point, I'm getting no information. I was just like, it, it's like flight or flight type. You know me, fight or flight type thing, and I just you know went to. Uh, Peter Schmeichel, we had a good chat about him and how good he's been and I was like, you know, when we get him back up. I don't know, just the natural stuff I got from probably hosting the one show. Anyway, I come off here and they were just like, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I don't know what you did or how you did it, but thank you. And you know, we want you to do the World Cup draw. And I swear to you, at that point, I mean, footballers, we watch the World Cup draw, but we don't understand it. Mm. No mm. one's ever had any understanding <laughs> as to why take a while. why groups go here. No football has ever known that, no. and I'm one of them. So when I got there, I was just like, "Yo, this is mad." It was complicated, but and it was massive. It was like global, but yeah. it went well. It went well. It was one of those things where I, know, I, I knew coming off it, people are going to be like, "What is Jermaine G?" Yeah, I, I, I was like, has he, "He's either got a mad agent <laughs> or he's great at his job," yeah. and it seems like great at your job. I think that's what it comes down. You know, I've taken. And I think like a lot of, I speak to a lot of players who are still playing today mm. and they'll ring me and be like, look, I'm thinking about kind of getting into, you know, stuff after football. My approach to my kind of like career after football has been exactly the same as my approach to becoming a footballer. And it was work as hard as you possibly can, gain as much experience as you possibly can, learn it from kind of like front to back, back to front, 
you know, be nice and kind to people, and in a way, it'll come back and, and repay you. And that's that's kind of, uh, you know, it's worked out so far. I'm just, still a long way to go, but appreciate the kind words. Lads. Do, you, do, you, do you see like players like, you know, like, you know, Gerard Lampard, mm. um, Arteta, players that you've, you know, played yeah, against, yeah. managing and think to yourself, you know what? Yeah. That was always al almost my plan there as well. Or? well, well I'll be honest with you. Um, the thing for me was because of the way that it ended in my career, mm. I fell out of love with it in terms of, um, I felt a little bit hard done by to mm. an extent. You know, my body kind of broke down for like the last four That's years, three, four good. years of my career. Mm. So when I did my knee at QPR and Chris Ramsey was uh, a coach there or the manager, I think he was the coach under Harry Redknapp at the time. And Chris Ramsey brought through Tim Sherwood, he brought through um, Les Ferdinand when they were going to do their badges. There's a million other coaches that Chris Ramsey is the kind of go-to guy, helps you get through your badges, guides you through them, passes you on. And Chris said to me straight away, get your boots on and come outside with me now. And we'll, you know, we'll start the process. And I just couldn't think of anything worse. Mm. At that point, I was just like, get me off this grass now, get me home, I don't want to see anything to do with football like it was it, I was just a bit like that and it just took me a good like couple of months talking to family and friends just to kind of shake all that off and then you know when I'm watching games and stuff I was like oh god I miss it but you know I want to be in there again so then when I started the kind of media stuff it gave me enough of a flavor to kind of like do all of that but there's no doubt you know I think any pundit that sits on television and tells you that they don't think about management or um, wonder what their team would play like are either the, the two types of people. They're either a person that has already done it and it's not gone well <laughs> and they have no intention of going back or they're lying. You know, that, that is it because we, we all love the game and obsess mm. with it. And no matter if I see Steven Gerrard going through pressure that he's going through now or Arteta coming out the other side of it, that's what we've done our whole lives. It's what we live for, the pressure, the you know, the fear, the excitement, the winning and the losing on a Saturday afternoon. So, you know, you take that away, you, you're a different person. So, um, no, you definitely think about it. And I, even to this day, I'm like, I don't know, I might, you know, one day I might just flip the switch and I might be like, <laughs> I swear Jamie was like, hosting FIFA awards, what's he doing like? <laughs> Why is he pitch side now as a manager? That's like, good for me, because I'm my former manager, you're a manager. Yeah, is he? Yeah, on my foot manager, they, they, there's no pundits. Oh, so that's... I'm like, okay, you need to manage to make my I'll get to make game it more realistic. <laughs> what team has he got? Um, he on managing Scunthorpe, I think. Scunny, I'll take it. You got to start somewhere. Well, this show, you know, is about football kits, of course, mm. based around football kits, I and mean, we go everywhere a little bit. Yeah, in specs. Um, let's go into the first one, specs. Mm So it's a Nightland Forest home shirt, yeah. 94, 96. Mm. Um, why this shirt? So as a kid, mm. I was, you know, a Liverpool fan. We, we were talking about this just before we came on mm. in terms of like clubs and why we were drawn to them and then kind of why we maybe shifted and stuff. John Barnes was my hero. I was a Liverpool fan. Um, I couldn't afford to get out of Nottingham. Never mind, go, go to Anfield and watch <laughs> games. You know what I mean? And like football was not on television uh, other than kind of like match of the day in the FA Cup. Um, so, mm. you know, my I used to come down in my house every morning, I'd put on the John Barnes story, I'd tell his story from Jamaica to Watford to Liverpool to England, and I was just obsessed with it. But I couldn't see him. 
so then like I kind of started to get drawn to what was near to me. And actually at that particular time, like Forrest was reasonably successful. Like Stan, Stan Collymore was up top and he was like, he was the guy. Like when he turned up and he's scoring mad goals, like goals that you just didn't see at the city ground for years. Um, they had players like Brian Roy, you know, off the back of, you know, big World Cups and stuff, you know, for for the Netherlands. I think Ian Wone was in that team, Stuart Pearce, Psycho. You know, we had all these players and we'd finished really high in the league. Uh, and I, because I was part of the academy, they used to bring us in to do like ball boying and stuff. And I remember like seeing games where you know, I think we're playing against Lyon in like in Europe. Um, and I, I'll never forget like certain images where like Stuart Pearce, right? He never used to go out for warm ups. He never used to go outside for a warm-up. It was weird. So it, all of his warm-ups at Forest, he did in the corridors. But he used to do it in his slips. That must have been noisy. But the corridor, <laughs> the corridor at Forest, yeah, I'm telling you now, it's like, it's so tight. It's so tight. Like, there's, there's no uh, width. And he used to just run up and down the corridor with the most intimidating look you've seen on your face in a pair of pants. Pair of pants and maybe, like, his trainers. No top on. Quads like this. Do you know what I mean? As kids, you're just like... This guy's mad. Like he's he's <laughs> gonna take someone's head off. But the, 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 everything to do with the club, I'd have started to really grow affectionate with. And then I realised as well, like the fans. Mm. I mean, people have seen it now in the prem. Mm. The fan base is it's lively. It's great. Yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah, that's you know that that kit with the Collymore team um, and uh, them doing really well in the league of that particular year was uh, yeah, I suppose why. You know, I think we should look at the shirt course. though, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, I this, mean, yeah, this is the one that made you fall in love with the game, you know? It's, yeah. your, it's your starting point. It's a nice shirt, man. Nice contrasting colours, I think. Black and red. I wouldn't class it as one of the most stylish shirts mm. that they've had. You know, they but had a nice yellow one around that same era uh, that was decent, but I that, like, it just had more meaning. I like the badge though. Oh, the oh, badge yeah. is class. Because the badge has got like the crest, mm. it's got like, the white backdrop, and yeah. then it's got the, mm. the, the Nottingham Forest yeah. um, logo that itself. That me of um, the match st uh, the sticker book. Yeah, that's what I remember. That's, that's when I look at that badge, I remember. Every time I bought stickers, they yeah. gave me that badge. I wanted the Gunners one, and oh, they yeah. gave me the Forest one. Was it a shiny? Jimmy, what's, what's Labatt's? Labatt's? Yeah, Labatt's. I don't know how you lot think, but it, when I want to explain a kit to somebody, mm. you explain it by the sponsor. Mm. It's weird. It's a big part of a kit. Yeah, I mean, it is it's a big like, part. You know, the John Barnes, whether it was the Crown Paints or the Candy Kit, Mm. You know, at Arsenal, I remember like JVC for years, oh, like it was their thing. Oh, that was my video player. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it, it's, it's crazy. The other day, I had someone around my house, and I've got like um, like a, a, a row of my shirts from the start of my career, like England youth team, to to it ending at QPR. Mm. And somebody came around and was like, "Oh my God, I had the NTL shirt, the Newcastle NTL. one." NTL. And I was like, <laughs> "What do you mean?" He's like, "That's what we call it, the NTL Newcastle shirt." I'm like, "That's that's mad." What so was like, it? Just shows, how, just shows how big branding is on yeah. shirts and how much of an impact it has on like um, the design of it as well. It's crazy. NTL was an internet provider, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was, yeah. 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 It was. First one, yeah. dial up time. Yeah. God, yeah, I don't know what it was. Get off the one. house phone. <laughs> do you remember those things? <laughs> <laughs> we really do go back on this show though, don't we? It's, it's, that's why it's nostalgic. I, I, it's I nice. love it the word nostalgic. nostalgic. But Nottingham feels like a nostalgic. Nottingham yeah. Forest yeah, feels like a nostalgic it team. It has to be. I mean, I mean they, they finished third in the yeah. 94, 95 season. Yeah, I think they did, yeah. And qualified for the UEFA Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And um, lost to Bayern Munich. Lost to Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. But this is what I'm saying. Yeah, they, this is that year I went when they played mm. against Leon, and I remember looking at us and thinking, I can't like this is this is big. But at the same time, growing up as a 
a Nottingham Forest youth player, mm. it is drilled into you that this is a club that has won things. The history is everywhere. So, you know, those two um, Champions League titles that they've got or European you know, trophies that they've got, they are front and centre when you walk into the building as a kid. All of the players are still all there. So when you were coming through, whether it was like Viv Anderson, John McGovern, um, John Robertson, all of these players are still part of the club and they're telling you the stories and, and you had this kind of like feeling uh, of like, there's a way of playing football here. This is a certain type of education that you're getting that is above and beyond an education that you're getting anywhere else at any other football club. So you're so bought into the club. And then obviously the development of you as a player comes through as well. And it was a shame that it went the way it did, you know, the, the, the club for so long. I mean, I, I loved it to bits and <laughs> never wanted to leave. Really? No, I mean, I mean in, in the dream for me would be able to do what Gerard did, you know, if, you know, at Liverpool. It's his boyhood club. If Forrest would have had the money to be competitive and invest, and uh, you know, keep me a, in a, as a as a Premier League player for Nottingham Forest. I mean, it'd have been it'd have been the dream. Honestly, I mean, I was like seventeen years old, captain of the football club. I just bought this like flat on the River Trent, right? And I used to wake up on a Saturday morning, or a sat and I'd be watching people go to the stadium. Like I can see them at my sat in my lounge. I could watch them walk into the Trent end. And I used to just think, I'm going to play on that pitch. Imagine thinking, I'm, I'm going to go and just tear it up on that pitch this afternoon and then just like oh. go see my boys. Do you know what I mean? It was like, that was the dream I was living. Mm. And then bang, it was like, clubs potentially going into administration. You know, there's problems financially. You're our most valuable asset. You have to go. Otherwise, the club's going to be... They have to sell you. And essentially, that's kind of like the road it went, which, you know, it worked out, I think, well for both of us. But at the same time, you know, I would have loved to have you know, being a part of a team that played, you know, in that Labatt shirt in Europe, quarterfinals against Bayern Munich, you know, with the, with my hometown, my, my, my own people behind me, it would have been amazing. Jermaine, I must say that, I mean, moving for five million yeah. as a teenager yeah, it was nuts. in 2002, mm. I mean, that's, that's big money, man. Well, I was, I think at the time I was the third most expensive teenager in the world. It was nuts. It was like say it, it again. Oh uh, yeah, it was, it was numbers, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but it was like R9. I think when, when he went to, from PSV to Barca, yep. Robbie Keane from Coventry to Inter, and then it was me. And it was just like, I don't know, I was quite mature as a kid. Like the, the money didn't bother me one bit. I didn't think it did until like, I went to my first day of training at Newcastle and I couldn't, I couldn't control a bag of sand. Like, I was just so nervous. It was- Was like, it tough? I don't know why, I was just like- Yeah, but you were young, you were a teenager. Yeah, but like, I mean, at the press conference, for example, I've gone into the room and I'm sat next to Bobby Robson who, I mean, to me, yeah. like, Italian night would be my first World Cup. You know, he's God. You've got a segment on that, trust me. Yeah, and mm -hmm. he, you know, he rang me first and foremost, and he's like, you're gonna play, he convinced me. And then I'm like, in the stadium, uh, doing his press conference, and he's just like, it felt like there were thousands of people. Cause I just remember coming out and there's cameras everywhere. And he just leant over and said, son, if you're ever in, pro if you're in trouble, just punch me on the leg and I'll take over. And I'm like, okay. But then the questions are coming, I'm fine, feel great. And then I remember going to train on the Monday, Tuesday, and I just, my legs just felt like jelly for days. And it was just like, I couldn't, I, just, I remember like all the lads were having, like, I mean, we had a serious group of players in as well. Like yeah. Bellamy's just off the back of winning like Young Player of the Year. Kieran Dyer is like playing for England. Massive characters. We've got Shearer up top, Gary Speed, Lauren Robert. They're in the Champions League. And all I can hear is, how much? How much have we paid for him? And I'm just like, I've got to sort myself out. <laughs> this is not going well. How did you? 
Well, in the end, it was purely and simply down to the faith of my manager. Um, I, honestly, this happened for about 10 days where I was bang average at best. Mm. And my first start was going to be against Sunderland away. Oh, God. Oh, that's a well, <laughs> and a deep end there, I mean, yeah. At this point, I'm thinking he's not going to start me because I've been so bad. I need to sort, I, I'm going to need a month or so to get myself around. And he just, uh, we, we trained at St. James's Park on the Thursday. And Bobby walked up to me, bearing in mind I still weren't great. <laughs> he walked up to me after this session. Mm. He just went, um, you're right, son. Um, just to get your head around it, you're going to be starting on Saturday morning. So, you know, just get yourself sorted. And that was all he said. And then the minute I kind of like stepped onto the pitch at um, the Stadium of Light, I don't know, something just kicked in. Like, I just felt great. I felt happy. I was buzzing. I felt confident. And it was like that first touch, that first kind of like, you know, I remember tackles flying in. I remember, because they were much worse than us, but they Given were like, it. that stadium of light in a derby. You know, I remember kind of like Jason McAteer coming up to me and going, this is a lively start to your career, isn't it? And I was just like, well, I mean, they were beating them 1-0 and then never looked back, you know? And that, that's why I always talk about like, managers with young players are so important. You know, I, mm. I could have gone elsewhere. You know, I had opportunities to go to Manchester United at that point during my career in Leeds and, you know, I think at United, I would not have started that game. United would have put me in the reserves probably for the next six, seven months and said, we'll wait for him. Whereas Bobby just went, go and on, you you're good enough. I've been watching you, you're fine. So that's the difference that young managers make. So you mentioned Kieran Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> we know where this is going. <laughs> oh, so um, one of my favourite memories of Kieran Dyer was yeah. him and Lee Boyer yeah. grabbing each other on the pitch. Nuts. And um, you're on the pitch as well. Mm. What is going through your mind when this is going on? I'd never experienced anything like that, really. And the maddest thing about it all is every single morning, right? So we had like round tables in our canteen and you'd have breakfast and lunch together. And mm. Bobby uh, was very serious about kind of the players eating together, uh, breakfast together. You know, you couldn't leave without Bobby's kind of say so. It wasn't like I'll come in and eat and then go. You used mm. to eat, finish, and then Bobby would go, right, everyone can leave now. He had it like that. So. On my table every single day was me, Kieran, Jonathan Woodgate, Lee Bowyer, and I think uh, maybe one more, might have been Shola. Uh, no, Bellas was on it. So we'd sit there, eat every single day, chat. We all got on really well. And it was just a moment of madness. Just a moment of just like, you know what, these, Kieran wasn't happy about not getting the ball. I don't think Lee was playing that well at that particular time. So he was very frustrated with his own game. Uh, and it was just a small little click that was just like done. The one thing I, I will always remember is kind of like, um, obviously they've both been sent off and we're left that's, on the yeah, lurch. That was, that, that's, that was the part, was yeah. like, what? Yeah, oh, both been sent off and we're, <laughs> you know, we're, the game's done. We're all left out there, nine players against Villa getting absolutely battered. And uh, I remember Al coming in at half time or full time. And I think somebody's tried to have a, like, a little go. And he's gone, no, 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 like, back off, back off, back off. Go on. And everyone's just stood there like, what? And he's like, go on, now you can fight. Go out there and fight. I think, was it Soonest we had at the time? Soonest, I think yeah. it was Soonest, Soonest yeah. Bobby, it was Soonest, yeah. yeah. And, and Graham was always, you know, he, I mean, you know what it's like anyway. Do yeah, you know it's what a mean? pun days before. And our dressing room was like that all the time. It was just, you know, at half time, if things ain't going well, there wasn't like, oh, let's see what the manager's got to say. You'd have a player in your face kind of going, sort yourself out. You're having one, you know, get out of this, whatever you're doing, or you're not, I don't want you out there with me. Mm. It was very, you had to be accountable, but they didn't obviously have a fight at, ha at half time or full time. Um, there was apologies and stuff, but 
It's a shame, really, because from Kieran's point of view, more so, um, it's what people. It's almost like a bit of his legacy. Yeah, what he's remembered for. Yeah, both when everybody talks way, about yeah. Kieran Dyer, because yeah, he was a he was a baller. Yeah. And, he, and honestly, one of the best players I ever played. When he's on, one of the best I ever played with. The weirdest thing about it is that it happened on the pitch. Like I've had mm. it before at loads of clubs. Where I mean, I remember one in particular at Tottenham, where um, Benoit Suakoto and Van der Vaart um, wanted to take free kicks. And there was this one particular game where Rafa wants to take this free kick and Benoit's been practicing free kicks all week. And he's like, no, I'm taking this. And uh, Rafa just did this thing, which I still to this day just find <laughs> hilarious because Benoit's been really serious and been like, I'm taking it. So Benoit's like stepped back then his whole, you know, when I did a deep breath ready, referees blew his whistle. <laughs> Rafa just came out of nowhere, took the free kick on the slide. <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to take, he just ran past him and took the free kick. And Benoit stood there looking at him like, and he's just, instead of fighting him on the pitch, he's just gone, all right, cool. Uh, and then we get in and I'm just, everyone's getting changed or whatever. I just hear this commotion in the showers. Like, Rafa and Benoit just like, I'm going for it in the showers. Going at it. Like, yeah. oh, he's out. Physically. They're fighting. Like, but naked. Oh. Naked, naked fight. <laughs> <laughs> the naked fight. Did you, did you go watch? Like, but I was coming out, I just left them to it. It was just like somebody just, I think it got stopped immediately. Did yeah. anybody slip like bang? I'm sure there was a lot of slipping oh, going no. on. Who won? A lot of Who won, Jermaine? Who won? Honestly, I, I swear to you, <laughs> it, was a draw. It, it was one of those ones where I think if you had to kind of say who was going to win that fight, I'd probably say Rafa would, I mean, uh, that Benoit would probably take it. He was physically quite, quite strong. Some points. But <laughs> Rafa was sneaky, man. Rafa was sneaky, do you know what I mean? He had his moves and stuff, and he, he might have been the one that thought, I'll get in the shower because this, the ground's not stable. So I've got a chance. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm exp- what I'm explaining is it happens a lot, but just not on mm. the pitch usually. Usually players have enough up there to go, you know what, let's wait till we go inside and deal with it. That's a cool story. Funny. Should we rewind it back a little bit? I was going to take it back to Nottingham. Oh, in the Prem now. Oh yeah, how's that been for you? Seeing them in the Prem, loads of signings. Yeah, new faces. I um, so I went to Wembley uh, for the fi- for the uh, playoff final, and I took my kids, took my wife, took my mum, my wife, oh my wife, <laughs> all my uh, friends, family. We it was an emotional day, man. It was an emo- it was one of those days where it was just like I can't believe this is happening. You know, this is you know it's my club. When I left all those years ago, did I imagine they'd be back in the Prem like not, like this long? I, I thought it was gonna be way quicker. I expected to be playing against them. So yeah, it was an emotional day. Um, and now seeing what they're doing, I like it. You know, I think for a lot of people looking from outside in, there's a lot that they're not understanding. Um, but when you gain promotion to the Premier League, you've got kind of two ways to go about it. And you get given a pot of money to be able to compete. And you know, Forest are, are, are doing that in a way where it's going to be difficult for Steve Cooper to gel it all together. But that's where my faith lies. My, 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 my faith lies in him. I watched him all last year. I've watched him at Swansea. I've watched him with the England youth team. He knows what he's doing. And he can get that team playing football. It might take a little bit longer and going to have ups and downs. Survival is the key. Mm. Uh, and in fairness to the owner, he's put his money where his mouth is. He's backed the team wholeheartedly. And he's got big, big plans for that club, you know, mm. he, he sees in his mind, the vision is to return to real greatness. You know, he wants to build a brand new stadium. He wants, um, you know, he wants them back in Europe in time. He knows it's gonna take time, but he also knows he's got a serious piece of tradition when it comes to English football on his hands. Mm. And if he handles it the right way, it's gonna be probably his best ever investment he's probably ever made. <laughs>
The unforgettable one. Mm. This shirt, AC Milan, home, 92, 93 shirt. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Well, I don't know. How old are you, like? You, you I mean, I'm, I'm honestly on camera. I'm tw like, you know, yeah. 29. Okay, cool. So you're but about 36. To you, to you, to you I'm like, I'm 39 years old. Oh, no, so no, legit. How old are you, yeah. bro? What year were you born in? I was born 86, but I'm 39. All oh, right, so that's not 39. Bro. Is it? Wait, I'm 83. <laughs> I'm, I'm 39. <laughs> so that's not that's <laughs> not the same. You're 36. 36. Okay, cool. I was actually born in this year, 92. Oh, was you? Yeah, literally yeah. just wow. came out of the room fresh. Yeah, so this is this is the thing then. So you might not understand really the Italian football movement. I you know what I do? Trust when me. I moved to the UK, mm. when I was six in 98, yeah. I remember I was like, show, go Italia, go Lazio. And it used to be on Channel 5. Yeah, they it used to be kickoff originally. Channel 4. Yeah, yeah, and then Channel 5 as well, or just Channel 4? They might have took it at some point. Channel 5 wasn't around. When I was watching Channel 5, it was, was four oh, no, 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 it wasn't when it we wasn't were around. Channel it. 5 wow. was, it was just... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 that's it, I remember, I, re I kind of get it. <laughs> so, the point, yeah, the point is, like, it's mad to think <laughs> that in England... <laughs> AV. Oh, that's brilliant, that is, isn't it? Do you remember, remember uh, this is, we're going soft piece here. God, let's so, do it. It's a bit more nostalgia. Let's we do remember, it. like, when telly just used to finish and that girl used to come on with the doll? <laughs> And it used to just go, it used to go, yeah. do you remember that? What, telly used to like, finish? Bro, yeah. it used to finish. Like, finish. Yeah. like, they'd be like, shows on, and then it just finished. There was nothing. Why is there a girl with a doll on? I don't know, there used to be this girl like, with a doll on her lap, and it had all these like multicolours behind yeah. her. And like, sometimes I remember being like a kid, and like, I don't know if I didn't like sleeping with, like, in the dark or something. And I'd just fall asleep and then like I'd wake up to this bee and this girl would just be there <laughs> with this doll on her <laughs> I'd be like, whoa. Do you think she's always there now? Maybe. Maybe she's in the background on every Maybe, show. Maybe, bro. Uh, Maybe it's there, but oh. I, that is a thing. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that's there's someone mad. in the room who understands I'm, what I'm talking about. So that's pre-90s you're talking about. Pre -90s you're talking oh, this about. is like, yeah. yeah. It's early 90s, like, isn't it? This, yeah. This, it's literally one, two, three, four, done. Beep. That was it. That was it. And then television was finished. Uh, anyway. I digress. The point I was making was, it's mad to think that there was an era in football where a fan base of people massively gravitated towards Italian football. I'm guessing that like millions would tune into that show. 100%. And almost, I remember my friend supported Juve. Yeah. From Nottingham, he supported yeah. Juve. <laughs> I'm like, how do you support? He had every single Juve shirt, like every single one, the blue one with the stars on the shoulders, obviously the home kits, Del Piero, Trezzi, all these guys, his favorite players, and I'm like, you live in Nottingham, like, how is that happening? Um, so this particular shirt, I, I mean, I loved Milan. Rude was just like oh. a god around that particular time. Legend. They had um, Rijkaard was in the team, Van Basten, <sighs> Baresi, Costa Curta. You know, this team was just incredible. Maldini. Yeah, I mean, Paolo Maldini. The team was just a beautiful team. Um, but I, wh why this kit was so special to me, um, is my dad moved to America when I was younger, when I was about eight years old. Oh. And we always maintained our relationship. But when the 94 in America World Cup came along, he, he said, look, you, the World Cup's here where I'm living. You need to come out here. And he was living in Washington at the time. Um, so he took me out there and we, go, we went to all the, I went to the Ireland v Italy game where Ireland beat them. I think it was in the Giants stadium. We went to see Mexico. Um, it was amazing, but I, I, that shirt, I think I wore it every single time. Every time I went to a game, I wore my, I, I wore my um, uh, Milan shirt and it was just like, for me, just like, yeah, just memories as well, like, do you know what I mean? Just a very important shirt to me, so. How come your dad went to America, can I ask? 
he just basically so my dad was a coach when I was younger oh. at Forest as well um, he played semi-professional football like his whole life so he was playing at teams like Shepshed Nuneaton Borough Hina um, Eastwood he played for loads of the teams you kind of like see in and around the non-league circuit now mm. um, and it's mad because like when he was playing managers like Martin O'Neill were down there and uh, I think Neil Warnock was down there managing as well Anyway, he came out of it, started coaching, and he was a good coach. You know, in my area, he used to coach players like Darren Huckabee as well, because mm. he's from Clifton, where I'm from. Um, and I just used to go along as a kid to all of his like coaching sessions. I just love football, so he always used to take me. And then um, stuff at Forest just didn't work out. He wasn't progressing as he wanted, and he used to go to America in the summer because they used to do all these summer camps where. They, they'd pay really well, get to live the lifestyle. And in the end, um, he set up uh, an academy out there um, with a couple of friends and yeah, ended up basically living there. He started in Minneapolis and then moved to Albuquerque in the end, which was a mad move. But yeah, I, w <laughs> I went and spent some time out there. It was it's crazy. That's like deep. Well, yeah, it South was, vibes. It, yeah, it was. I mean, we traveled oh, basically. So well, we were in Minneapolis and we were going to drive to Albuquerque. It takes like four days. It's the maddest, like north yeah. to South America, basically. It's, it's, well, not South America, but the, yeah. you know, the southern parts of America. And uh, there's a part on the journey where it says like, oh, Las Vegas. And you can see it. And it's like, I'm like oh my God, I'm going to Las Vegas. This, this, this was not Las Vegas. Oh. Like, I don't know where I was, <laughs> but it was not Las Vegas. Trust me. It was like, <laughs> dad, get me out of here now type place. But on, like seeing like, it was, it was my first, you know what it was like, in a really sad way, it was my big, big eye opener into like, kind of like open like racism in certain states and cultures throughout America, like you'd literally be driving, go to like a motel and they'd be like, no, you're not staying here. You know, it was, uh. it, yeah, and you'd end up sleeping in a van or something. It was mad. Um, but then once we got to Albuquerque, it, it, which actually in a weird way was a big, big part of my career, right? Because I, I was like on the cusp of um, going into like the youth team at that time. Albuquerque is mad altitude. So when we started like playing, my dad said to me, listen, take your time because the, the altitude's crazy out here. I didn't know nothing about altitude as a kid. I don't know like what you were like, if you were no. like from London or Nottingham, okay. altitude does not What's exist. That? Exactly, what is that? Yeah. So I, I've made like my first run, I felt like I was gonna die. I'm like, I can't find air. I'm like, <laughs> like trying to breathe. My dad's laughing his head off. He's like, just come here, stand next to me. I spent six, seven weeks out there playing football. When I came back, it was like, I had free oxygen, you know, uh, you know, when people are dying in running sessions, I'm looking at, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm, I'm fine. You're a third longer. It was mad and I just like became so fit. So whenever I went out there, it was like my secret training place for a while where I used to go and do mad training and then come back and just be like, yeah, so I would have never thought Albert made sense, man. Played a part in Jamaica's career. I feel, like, career. I feel yeah. like when you used to watch you like play yeah, back in the day, energy, you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's in. Yeah. He, was just, he was just there. <laughs> yeah. And it just but, yeah, ninety that, minutes. Just that was it. This is, and that was my thing for ninety mm. minutes. But yeah, that's uh, an interesting part of my life, really. My kind of my dad leaving. But yeah, that was that was the positive for it. Damn. So we're here. Obviously, we're here with un unforgettable moments. Mm. You know that Milan team, ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. Uh, they go. Win everything, everything, yeah, no joke, yeah, invincibles, yeah, yeah all of that course. under Fabio Capello, yeah. And later on down the line, yeah, you end up working with Fabio Capello. How was he as a gaffer? There's a lot of synergy with a lot mm. of this and my, my life, which is really weird, honestly. It's like, like, Rude Hullet is one of my like good friends now, 
you know, I play golf with Rude, we chat all the time. Ah, but he's like the nicest, funniest guy ever. Like you'd never think this guy's won a Ballon d'Or and he's like, he's a great, he's just the most down to earth, humble guy you'll ever meet. And obviously with Capello, the Capello stuff is bittersweet for me personally, because the minute I kind of like Capello arrived, all messages that were coming to me, it was like probably my best year in a Tottenham shirt, 2008 where we just beat Chelsea in the League Cup, I'm playing well. And every message that I'm getting is Capello loves you. He absolutely loves you. And I turn up for the first England meeting and things are different. I've gone from being like, you know, I've been in the England squad since I was 19 years old. Mm. And in like 2003, I think my, I made my debut. But when you're like on the periphery of the squad, it's not like Southgate now where he makes everyone feel a part of it. You felt like you're on the edge. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like it was like if you got on, it was like, oh my God, I've got, I've got ten minutes, great, brilliant, you know. But with him, I arrived and immediately it was like, ah, oh, you know, and around shoulder, Jermaine, yeah, but I'm thinking, this is different. I might actually start. <laughs> like I might actually start this game. And I did, I ended up starting his first game, scored in the game against Switzerland, played really well. Um and then our next game was against France in uh in Stade de France. And before that, I had a bit of an ankle problem. And um, Juan de Ramos, he pulled me and just said, listen, we've won the League Cup. We're fine in the league. I think you should focus on England for the rest of the year because your ankles are big, big problems. If you overwork your ankle, you, you know, you're not going to be at your best when you're playing for England and you just got in the squad. So let's manage you in certain games. I'll bring you on, I'll, I'll start you in, obviously, ones we, we really need you, but I want you to be fit for England. And I was like, perfect, you know, so we're on the back end of the season here. Um, so, literally, the England squad gets announced, I'm not in the squad. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, how have I gone from, like, a man of the match performance, starting in your first game, scoring, to not even a phone call, to say, you're not in the squad. Um, and then, he transpires to do all of this. Remember when he came out, if you're not playing on a Saturday, you don't get in my squad uh, type oh stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was it. It was downhill from there. Oddly enough, I think my last game for England was against Brazil in Qatar, which was strange. Ah. Yeah, we, pl we played against Brazil in Qatar in like September, October, something like that. And I, I, was, I was chasing Kaka around a pitch in some mad heat for like 90 <laughs> minutes, bro. It was nuts. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's, I, I don't know if I'm coming back. <laughs> and that was it. That was my last game. So, you know, we spoke about Capello. Yeah. Of course, you went to the World Cup of England 2006 yeah. under Sven Gorn Eriksson. Very close to, mm. you know, uh, coming on. It was, I think, the, was it stoppage time? Yeah, it was the it was first oh. game against Paraguay. Yeah. He had me stood on the sidelines, ready to come on, and the ball just didn't go out of play, basically. It was one of those moments. But, you know what, right? I, I, I look at that kind of era, and, you know, you can sit there and be kind of like bitter about it or whatever. Like we had some seriously good players, mm. like joke players around that time. Our biggest failure, or Sven's biggest failure in my opinion, is, is his inability to adapt to what we had. We were so obsessed with not having a left winger at that particular time when it didn't matter, really. You know, when I look back to like some of our top managers who had you know, a reasonable amount of success when it comes to like a style of play or a way of playing or thinking outside the box around my time. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, Venables went to a free at the back in Euro 96. Hoddle. Uh, Bobby Robson did it. Yeah. Glenn Hoddle did mm -hmm. it. 
there were so many. We had the best centre halves in the world, but like by mm. a mile, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I know Italy had some serious centre halves at that time, but you couldn't compete at that time with Rio, Terry, Sol Campbell, Ledley King, Carragher as a backup. You know, the, six Jonathan Woodgate. You, you can't you couldn't compete with that amount of depth of quality. Mm. Um, it was, you know, and even where it was Bridge and Ashley Cole on one side, whatever, he could have adapted it in so many ways. And I think from my point of view, and players like myself, Michael Carrick, Owen Hargreaves to an extent, you just sat there frustrated a lot of the time. And, you know, it, it, I, I, you know, I always have jokes about, uh, you know, okay, I know I've got 21 England caps, but they probably equate to about 40, 50 now in today's game. Mm. But that just, you know, that's just jokes over my boys. But the reality is that, the sadness is not like, oh, I didn't get to play at World Cup. It was more to do with, we should have done so much better. You know, I should yeah. have been part of a team yeah. that went far deeper into the competition with what we had at our disposal. And we never really had any guidance I'd ever felt, personally. I don't know how the other players felt, but from, from looking at it, from a tactical point of view... It's a bit bland. Brandy. Great guy, Sven, but I just didn't see... Yeah. Didn't be I didn't believe it as, as a person watching. I just felt like... I just, I, I, I just was like, how did Come you do on. what you did with that Lazio team? Because you had a great Lazio team. It's like having a whole jar of Nutella, right? <laughs> but you spread it thin. <laughs> yeah, what are you thinking? Because you could just run. dig in. And <laughs> yeah, dig in, man. Chuck in more just, Nutella. Just, just it's a it whole it. jar. Don't even spread it, just slap it. Wallop. And yeah. you just go in and you're leaving the edges all empty. Yeah, That's I, what I, I felt. agree. It was, it, was <sighs> not, it was not a nice... It, you know what's weird? Honestly, honestly, like, honest opinion. Scutting. I can't remember one game, not one game... Right, I got boom. ...where... We like popped a team off the mm. pitch and it was mad and it was like, oh my God, that's why that works. All it ever was, was Michael Owen genius, David Beckham genius, Gerard Lampard skulls. That was it. Like, oh, Stevie, can you dig us out of a hole, please? Michael, come on, go and get us a goal, will you? Like, I remember playing against Argentina in Geneva and like, Raquel Me's just doing a madness. Like, I mean, yeah. poor Ledley. I, know, I spoke to Ledley played in midfield <laughs> in that game, right? <laughs> Bearing in mind, we won like 3 2. My clone scores last minute. You can imagine what a dressing would be like in that mm. situation. And I looked at Ledley, and Ledley's got his boots off, and he's sat on the head of his seat like this, and he's just got his head down, and he just went, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I'm a set midfield player. <laughs> he was just a broken man. But, like, Raquel, he's, like, you know, he's always stood. He was so good, Raquel. Ah, it was... What a player, man. Ah, it was the best thing. But at the same time, again, even in that game, a Michael Owen hat-trick. Gerard went to right back and was just outrageous. Won the game. I can't remember one game. I can't remember one game where we were brilliant. Not one. That similar thing happened to me. Well, one of the reasons why my football career went right down to the bottom. Mm. I was playing for Islington Borough. That was oh, the yeah. borough I'm from. Yeah, yeah. Like A lot of players just got released and stuff. So it was a high-level football. But I was sub. Okay. Right? So the manager's got to make this last sub. It's 10 minutes to go. So it's me. And my friend, mm -hmm. he doesn't know who to bring on. So he asks us to have a race on the sideline. <laughs> Jermaine, I lost. <laughs> he came on. I would have took that. Oh, listen, 2006 World Cup, Paraguay, I would have taken that against yeah, most. Apart from Aaron Lennon, I would have taken that against most. But, I, hit, but if Vooj beats me in a race on, uh, as a sub, what, what does that show he's going to do more? I don't understand. It means he wants it more. Mm. <laughs> That's no harsh. Matter what, because... You don't have to be the quickest to win that race. You just got to find a way. I tried to clip him. I tried to clip him. <laughs> he kept ah, going. 
He kept going, but that was that was that was my that's after that day. Shot. I was like, that's not a bad that's I want to see that in a prem. That's Done. a great shot. Klopp's like, who wants it? Yeah, go on, let's yeah, go. Yeah, Boom. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say the manager's name. I don't want to give him the views. I will <laughs> never forgive him for that. By the way, where was you? What's, what position? Just I, I was at the time. I was a right back. What this, all of this for a right back to it, come onto the pitch. <laughs> in my mind, I was I was a striker, but oh, yeah, it? Me, yeah. like Trent. But now I'm centre back. Yeah, He's like Trent. Back I was I'm, I'm not as good as Trent, but yeah. in your mind, you, do you know what? Good. I got better later. Like now, I'm sick. Like you can't get the ball for me. <laughs> no, I believe that. I believe that. I'm. I'm, 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 I'm Who are you like nah, now? Good. Good. Who are you like now? Like, if, if I had to say like, what type of player? Like, give me a player. Who are you like? Who am I like now? I'm Ben White. Ben White. Yeah. I thought he was gonna go a little bit more exotic than. Oh, Ben me. I'm <laughs> 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 no, no. just very composable. Okay. Very, right. No one's getting that ball. He is, he is, no, no, he is. He's he's a plays well. He's a baller, man. Yeah. But no, I, play, you... but I play with glasses, though, that's the thing. Come on. So people don't take me seriously. David's bro. We move on to the, the haunted one. Yeah. Um, and of course, you picked the Arsenal shirt 0506. Mm, yeah. um, Burgundy. Was, Burgundy, it was the Arsenal's final Dark season at Highbury. Yeah, since, uh, you know, yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan. Arsenal and Tottenham had great rivalry them times. Yeah, we did. Uh, why this shirt though? Well, it was the first year um, that we really tested Arsenal. Yeah. That, you know, in my opinion, when I think when Arsenal kind of looked back as to when things started to slip with regards to kind of like their North London dominance, it was around this time. To be fair to kind of like Daniel Levy and and the club, they'd started to make a couple of moves in the market. You know, like myself, David's come into the club. Um, good players like Aaron Lennon and some young players. You know, they, he started to really kind of like build a team. And I, and we had a good manager at the time. And we just had a really good start to the year, kicked on. Um, and with yourselves, I'm guessing that year, there's a lot more uncertainty, I think, in your team. I, I've got a feeling Vieira may have left the year before. Vieira, yeah, Vieira's gone. You had Where's Fabregas there, Fab and Gilberto yep, yep. in midfield. Yep. Good team. Touré. Really good team. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, Campbell. Yeah, 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 Campbell yeah. was there. I think Sol was there, yeah. yeah. But it was not as stable as nah. it was. Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean? There's a lot of things happening where you're a bit like, what's happening here? Mm. Anyway, you know, when it, when it, the reason why it's like a haunted one is obviously... You know how big that derby is mm -hmm. and how big that the feelings are in that moment. Mm. And, you know, we at that particular time were so confident we were going to get top four. It was in our eyes, in the changing rooms, it was set in stone. Like, there was no way West Ham were going to beat us last game of the season to take that offers type mentality. We had that hmm. um, horror of the, you know, lasagna gate, food poisoning type situation. I mean, I, I wasn't playing in the game. I had, a, I had a stress fracture in my shin and me and Ledley went to the game. Um, this was all kind of like centered around going to the World Cup. We'd been advised that we needed to stop playing, blah, 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 to make sure we were fit for the World Cup. You know, I'll never forget kind of like the lads on that morning, like seeing their faces. They are, you know, just whiter than white. Everybody has just lost every bit of color they've got in their body. Mm. Um, you know, the gaffer's trying to give a team talk and, and mid-team talk, people are having to go and be sick and throw up all over the places. The cubicles are full. They've just about managed to get out onto the pitch. And um, yeah, one of the faces that I'll always remember is Carrick, Michael Carrick. Uh, I think um, Martin Yo was about to make a sub and he was about to take Davids off. And Davids was like one of the only players that didn't get food poisoning. And he was about to take him off and Carrick come running over and was like, no, like I can't, I am done. There's nothing left in me. Um, 
and he comes off and it was just like you know that that whole game was only ever going to go one way you know he was it was it was like watching Hamilton in that last lap against Verstappen in Abu Dhabi he was just like his hands were tied he was he was all against us there was no way we were going to win the game and um sorry if you would have won that game would you have and we got champions league even if Arsenal won it even if Arsenal won it all we had to do was win all we had to do was win it was in our hands to win the game to go top four um, Thank you, Lasagna, boy. Well, this is what I'm saying. Where was the Lasagna? What, in a team hotel? Like? It's in the team hotel. We stayed in a hotel the night before in... Um, uh, Travel Lodge? <laughs> <laughs> Where was it? It was, it was, it was Canary Wharf side. Well, right. did it smell good, the lasagna, at least? Do you remember when you were there? I didn't have it. Do you remember much about the lasagna, though? Like, I don't know, you're in the kitchen. Because I think I turned up late. to Because I wasn't playing. Uh, it wasn't really. like I was doing the squad things. Me and Ledley were kind of like doing our own rehab thing together. And then we kind of like got a car. And then I, I remember getting a phone call from my mum going, the game might be off. And I'm like, what's your mum Like, Because it was all over Sky that the club were trying to cancel oh. the game in the morning. But yeah, I just, you know, you sat in that dressing room after the game and all I can hear is like West Ham singing and dancing and carrying on like they just won the Champions League final. And I'm looking at our lads and it's just like sick vomit. Yeah, people just like on almost like on drips trying to stay alive type. it was bad mm. and obviously then Arsenal get top four and it's just a bit of a stinker yeah you guys were so close and I mean the team you had I mean bloody hell yeah. it's a great team Tottenham back then we had a top team we had a top team but weirdly enough we had a couple of those moments during that era you know we had a situation with Chelsea where we finished fourth and then Chelsea go and win the Champions League <laughs> and they're not oh yeah that fit. was mad you know we had a couple of those really like Close. One that holds the club back by a year or so. Do you know what I mean? And you know the old story with that one is that Hazard was going to go to the, the team that was in the Champions League. We were in a Champions League, but then they knock us out. He ends up going to Chelsea. It's like all those little details that knock your club back three, four, five years to an extent. But we, um, you know, it was it was hard to look at it as progress in the moment. But at that time, we knew we were onto something in terms of closing the gap between you know, as an Arsenal and getting that top four spot. We knew we'd get it eventually, yeah. Yeah, and you did, you yeah. did. nowadays. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, them times I was, oh, I was so happy that, you, yeah, know, of course, you yeah. know, the lasagna that happened. But you played in the, the North London derby, you yeah. scored the equaliser. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 2-2, two, two. was it White Lane? I don't know, I scored four, Oof. so take your pick. Four? It's got four in the North London derby, I think, yeah, it was all right. But the 2-2 two, two one at White Hart Lane was, uh, it was one of those, there's a special one, mm. but also like from your lot's point of view, I'd have been sick because you lot absolutely battered us that day. The, wor the, the worst combination for any footballer in the Premier League around that time was hot weather and playing against Arsenal because they were the team like Man City now. They were the team yeah. that would like tap, tap, pat, pat, pat. They make you work harder than you ever have to work and it's mad hot and the only saviour you have is it's a derby. So you've got to dig deep and find something. They battered us for like 90 minutes in that game. And then, yeah, I just yeah, literally last kick of the game. I just remember getting it, knocked it around Fabregas, little one-two, and I just thought hit it. And it didn't even come to me right, but I just thought just try and get a good strike on it. And I caught it perfect and it's hit the back of the net. And it's just one of those, it's, got, it's, it's gone round bodies. So like Lehman's mm -hmm. seen it late and it's gone in. I just always had a big thing with the North London derby. In a weird way, I wish I could have played it every week. Because oh, you, it, it, it you just could, lit me up in a way. Tell. We took some batterings, don't get me mm. wrong. Like, you know, Arsenal were a better team and for you know for a period of time until until the year we beat you um 3-2, which was the year after the 4-4. Four, four. 
when Kabul scores a late goal, which I think oh, yeah. to this day is still the last time we've won in the league. We were 2 0 up in that we game. We were 2 0 right? up and we mm. beat you 3 2 in that game. Mm. And, uh, you know, up until that point, you lot were way better than us and it was just like dig in and find something. And that game was the, yeah. For that, me, I was just, I loved playing the that, game. That was when I was really like starting to throw plastic tomatoes at Wenger. <laughs> I had enough, <laughs> had enough of him. Man, that Tottenham team. Class. Last Tottenham team to win a trophy. Mm. Maybe soon there'll be another trophy to White Hart Lane. I hope so. Because that stadium, so. it, they've got the best stadium oh, in the yeah. UK. It deserves something. Maybe even Europe. What was the sponsor? What was the sponsor? Of what, the kit? The, the uh, shirt? When you won the league cup. That's a strange one. What was yeah, it? it was a strange one, yeah. What was it? Um, Can't remember. Something's telling me it was Blockbusters. Blockbusters? No. <laughs> We sold plenty of DVDs, so it might have been blockbusters. Yeah, let's go on to our final kit specs. We're gonna go into the named one. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is the shirt that the player you'd have on the back of your kit. Oh yeah. Who's that man? And I, you tell us. Uh John Barnes. Yeah. I'd have Barnsley on the back of my shirt all day long. He was my inspiration. He was my kind of like guiding light as mm. to kind of why I wanted to be a footballer. Mm. Um, I mentioned kind of when I was a young kid, kind of like my routine, I'd come down from, from my bedroom. There's VCR back those days and I had the John Barnes story. I'd stick that tape in. I think I watched it every single day as a kid. Really? It, 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 honestly. And he had his full Jamaican accent, like even stronger <laughs> than it is now, which I resonated with as well. You know, I, I was so close to kind of like my family around that time. And Jamaican culture has always been a big part of my life. So it was like, my God, this guy's come over from Jamaica and he's, um, he's at Watford. And he had these shorts, man. That's the only thing I'd, I'm so glad I never played in that era. Like oh, the, the shorts, shorts bro. Sure, <laughs> you had to have a set yeah. of quads to, to even be yeah. a player around yeah. those times. And some of it, I remember like watching his goal in American R for England against Brazil. Oh, and it's like this when you watch him, he's like, but it's just like a flow that you just you didn't see it. It wasn't normal what he was doing. And obviously, um, you know, what he did in a Liverpool shirt, I don't know if I think he might have been their first black player, you know, John mm. Barnes at Liverpool. Be worth checking out. I'm not sure if he was or not, but all I know that is the impact he had kind of like when he left Watford to go and play for Liverpool, winning league titles. Doing it in the way that he did as well. My, my dad, with me when I was a kid, like, you know, I mentioned he left when I was younger, but we always maintained our relationship. And the understanding of like racism in sport was big in my house. My dad had suffered it at semi-professional level and I'd witnessed it as a kid, you know, people literally blatant him, calling him names to his face. And he always had kind of people like Barnsley as role models in the house. Um, as how to deal with it. He always used mm. to say, I'll just smile and stick the ball in the back of the net. That's how I deal with it. And when I used to watch Barnsley getting like bananas thrown at him, and he used to just smile, go buy a few, stick one in, celebrate. He had that finger that used to come out. And I just used to love him. I, I mean, I still do to this day. You know, I honestly put down a lot of the reason why I wanted to become a footballer down to him. He was, he was, a, he was an absolute great as a player. Mm. And I think very undervalued in this country. Again, another one from an England perspective. Um, you know, the Boo Boys got hold of him in the end and probably ruined his England career, if, if, if we're all honest about it. He didn't, whether he didn't perform for England or not is, is always the question. Could he handle the pressure of playing for England? He, mm. he was a great player in there. Somebody fix it. 
That's all needed to be said. Um, but yeah, if I had to have a shirt with a with a name on the back of it for you know the foreseeable, Johnny Barnes would have been that guy. Mm. And that shirt is one of the most memorable ones, I'd say, the, the mm -hmm. Candy oh, Liverpool. The candy. Candy. That particular kit, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I loved Liverpool around that time. Liverpool were hard not to love around that time. Um, and like I said, that, that whole team for me, you know, I mean, I could name like from, from Steve Staunton, Nicol, Glenn Hussein, Alan Hansen, Ronnie Whelan in midfield, Steve McMahon, Beardsley, Barnes, Rushy up top. You know, they had the maddest team, do you know what I mean? Sometimes John Aldridge would come into that team as well. I just loved him. I mm. and, and he was the, 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 he was the thing that drew me to them at that particular time. But as I said, I, I couldn't, I didn't maintain it because I couldn't get to Anfield and, yeah. and feel it and be a part of it. So I kind of drifted away from it. But that kit uh, and him and what it represented at that time in English football was just like, yeah, special. Yeah. It's crazy because I, I feel like John Barnes, obviously, as you said, if he was the first black, player but um even for africans too mm. you know looking at him thinking wow like yeah, we want to be footballers too yeah because obviously you speak openly a lot about you know racism mm -hmm. you've got a documentary yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah so i did one stop on and search police yeah yeah so the stop and search mm. one is the big one that yeah yeah so you've talked about you know going to a Sheffield wednesday game mm. your dad and these black friends yeah and um there was a few incidents mm. did that ever put you off becoming a footballer not really i mean the reason why i was at the game it was, uh, my cousin used to play for, for Middlesbrough mm. um, and he was a left back for Middlesbrough uh, and it, I think it was a cup game against Sheffield Wednesday so my dad had a Sunday league team which was basically a whole Jamaican team. I mean literally like as the Sunday league <laughs> kind of like going off, big Jamaican flag side of the pitch, Sick. we used to go to this place called the Acne Centre afterwards where it was just like only Jamaican, like you'd be like as a kid you'd be down the corridors and you used to hear bang like on a table and you'd be like, what's going on down there? And there'd be all old men playing dominoes. You'd get your patties after. I, I, honestly, like the nostalgia when I talk about that place is amazing. But it, all of us went to um, Sheffield Wednesday and I was a kid and yeah, he, uh, him and his boys basically just get dashed up against the wall by the police for no reason. We're just coming out of the stadium, game's done. I'm just stood there as a you know, 10, 11 year old or whatever it is, maybe, maybe a bit older. And there was no reasoning, but they're all like arms behind the back type stuff. And um, it had an impact on me, but like not in a way that like pushed me away, but wanted me to get closer. I think that's why I do these documentaries and stuff like that, because a lot of docs I do are passion projects as well as, because you have to be invested in them because the amount of time you, you, you put into them. Um, but in, I think what it did is it just highlighted things to me as uh, as a young man that enabled me to go into the game with my kind of like eyes wide open rather than being shocked about things like it was it definitely wasn't something that pushed me away it was something that drew me to kind of want to be a part of somebody looking at me like I looked at John Barnes I wanted a kid to look at me and go you know young mixed race boy from Nottingham I can resonate with him and his upbringing that he's he, he's had I want to be like Jermaine Genus and that's, that's what it made me do. It made me feel like that more than anything. And also made me really well-rounded on these topics. I remember when we went and played against uh, Spain for England in the Bernabeu. And one of the worst experiences of my life, you know, I'm on the pitch. Um, I mean, they're not, they're not booing me. I don't know whether it was like my skin tone didn't quite reach the mark for a level of racism that they, uh, they, 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 they 
they wanted at that particular time, the, the Spanish fans. But every time Wrighty touched the ball, Sean Wright Phillips, every time Emil Heskey touched the ball or Ledley, it was literally monkey chants. You could hear it physically. And nobody knew what to do. You know, we, when we came off, there was no protocols like there are now. There was no, like when you see Gareth Southgate handling situations well and how it's going to be handled by FIFA, there's none of that. He just came off and everyone just kind of ignored it. Just like, oh, nothing. And then I was doing like interviews after the game and somebody mentioned it to me and I mentioned how much of a disgrace it was. I, woke, I, I was playing for Newcastle, we flew back in. I woke up the next day, I literally went to go out my door to go training and I can't, honestly, I couldn't get out of my gates. The press that were there waiting for me, I had to ring the training ground and say, look, I can't come to training. You have to send someone to my house to get rid of all this press. Um, but a lot of it was down to, I think maybe the way I handled it, my ability to be able to talk in that type of situation, in the way that it needed, needed to put it across. It resonated with the press, obviously. They ever thought, here, here we've got a kid here that understands how to talk about a tough subject, and which is weird that I'm in kind of the world I'm in now and stuff like that. But that a lot, all of those little moments um, with regards to kind of the racism with my dad, I don't know, they, they drew me to it. Like I, was, I was definitely passionate about kind of like being a part of it rather than hiding from it. There's definitely a change. It mm. sounds like stopped, but there's a change. Social, so. issue, social issues are just a big part. Mm. Like, where I grew up, right, and where I'm from is not who I am now, right? There's no doubt about that. Mm. But I resonate with everything I was as a kid mm. because I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. So if somebody wants to talk to me about having to put, like, go down the shop and go and get an electric card and put it in the meter, <laughs> or when the electric used to go, oh, yeah. I used to go press emergency, and you'd already, <laughs> you'd, you'd already press the emergency, <laughs> so you would sat there with candles and stuff. My mum, my mum's looking at me like, well, it's six o'clock, but it's dark, so you let's have just a go cut the, yeah. the Colgate, and then you all cut it up, and then get the yeah, or the soap, and you put water <laughs> in the end of the soap, Bro. and you shake it. All of that. Oh, that's, I just put like water in ketchup bottles at the oh, bottom. Is it? Shake oh, I've done that one. Actually, bit of ketchup. Oh, you know, I've lived it. I've lived yeah. it when I've had nothing. So. That doesn't just go away mm. when you make some money and you live in a nicer house. Like, I, I, you know, I, I resonate with people and mm. that's why I wanted to make these documentaries because I'm like, hang on a minute, that's not right. When I hear something, I'm like, what, what do you mean if you're young and black, you are 15 more times likely to just get stopped walking down the street than a young white man? Why are we just walking around like that's acceptable? Mm. Like, that's a madness, mm. like, no. So have I got a voice? Yes. Okay, let's do something, mm -hmm. and then that's that. That's the plan around you know all of these things. If if something I, I'm, I'm passionate about hits me, then I've never been afraid to talk about it or kind of like voice my opinions on it. So that's kind of how that came about. But a lot of it stemmed from sport, football, my dad, and in particular moments, which is it's mad in life, isn't it? I, yeah. How these things just trigger things. It's full circle moments. And we've been talking about it, even on the shows mm -hmm. that we've had so mm -hmm. far. There's always. Loads of full mm -hmm. circle moments for someone, even for us too. There were some great stories there, Vooch, mm. man. Brilliant. But some of them stories you've told us, I'm going to actually go to my family and say, because so. some of them think yeah. I'm you as well. So, you know, I just. Why, where does this come from? You yeah, said this at the start I, of the I show know, that I just, we're related. I what take stories, mean? man. Yeah, I take, yeah, of course. Of we, course. I just. Sometimes, look. If I say to someone I'm related to Jimmy and Genius, they ain't going to check their mirrors. Think, Wait, hold on, but he's Caribbean, you're African. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to believe it. So, I just run with it. Lying is good sometimes, Dave, man. 
Smiling <laughs> is good, man. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. No, always pleasure. Man. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that was stripped brought to you by William Hill. That's my line. <laughs> 18 plus Campbell responsibly A big up to our people Our classic football shirts For sending in All the wonderful shirts You've seen on today's show